Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. All right, let's hand out some game balls from around the uh, NFL wildcard, super wildcard weekend. We have fewer games than we thought we were going to have because the stupid Steeler-Bills game got moved to right now. Uh, 7-0 Buffalo, 4-13 to go in the first Steeler football in their own territory. Blankers, why don't you do the honor? Who are you giving your first game ball to? Well, I'm going to give my first game ball to the head coach of the Green Bay Packers because Matt LaFleur showed you what a Shanahan offense really can do and how they can utilize all weapons involved in it when given the opportunity to make the right to make the calls you want to make. Because I think Aaron Rodgers overruled every one of LaFleur's calls while they were together. But the fact that you saw a complete offensive unit come together and maximize every single weapon that they had and just absolutely kind of bum-rushed the Dallas Cowboys was impressive. Yeah, Jordan Love was really good. But the fact is that going into that game, everybody knew the key is if you stop Aaron Jones, Green Bay is a totally different team. And Aaron Jones just kept gashing him. Three touchdowns, 118 yards. And then when they tried to do anything more there, he utilized almost every one of his receivers and tight ends. So I'm going to start by saying you can easily point out different individuals, but Matt LaFleur and his offense, to me, gets a game ball. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought LaFleur was uh, coaching circles around Mike McCarthy yesterday. By the way, George Perk, uh, George Pickens just fumbled deep in Steelers' territory, so Bill's taking over with fantastic field position. LaFleur was outstanding. Uh, can, I ask, can I ask you a question, Jeremy? Yeah. Do you want me to give the updates? Because you're about a possession behind me. I'm just watching it on my television. Okay. No, no I'm good. I'm good. Oh, wow. they scored a touchdown. Yeah, jo- Dalton Kincaid just scored a touchdown. Dalton Kincaid just caught a touchdown pass from Josh Allen on the first play after the turnover. So the Bills an extra point away from being up 14-0. Uh, the floor is great, and, and Christian Watson and Jaden Reed did nothing. I, yep. I think they combined for one catch and yep. seven yards. Reed did, didn't have a catch at all. The uh, floor outcoached Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn, no doubt about it. But Jordan Love was fantastic. Jordan Love was terrific in that game. 16 for 21, 271 yards. He threw three touchdowns in that game as well. Uh, I thought he was fantastic, Blankers. Like, they were giving him uh, the power to change plays at the line, which, like, shows you how they feel about Jordan Love. This is the first time that I've watched Jordan Love from start to finish in a single game all, all year, and I was really impressed. Yeah, I think the key to me, too, is, is when you look at it because – you know, look, I, I may at some point I might lose my quarterback review card, like when you were talking about with Will Levis. But at the same time, I still need to see I was more. Right about Levis, I, I still need to see more from Jordan Love from the standpoint of like there's still he, you know, he catches a lot of big yardage because of after the after the catch because he gets. But that's what that system and that's what that offense is supposed to do. So he can continue to get better and better. But at the same time, this is like Brock Purdy only like ramped up quite a bit because you're right. Now he's taking two plays to the line of scrimmage. He's audibleizing depending on the defense that he sees. And in most cases, the read is right. And then he puts it in the, ha- the hands of the weapons and he just soaks up the fact that there's massive chunk plays to be had and lots of yards. But he's running that offense to a T. So he should get a lot of credit. Yeah, he's really good with uh, what LaFleur is trying to do. At least he was yesterday. Now... You've watched the Packers all year. I haven't watched a single Packers game from start to finish. I'll see them on Red Zone Channel and stuff like that. But every time I heard the name Quay Walker, I thought of this. How do you not think about this song every time you hear the name Quay Walker of the Green Bay Packers? Football time in Green Bay? Um, Yeah, how do you not hear about that? Every time they said it, I was like, it's football time in Houston. Every time I hear Quay Walker, I'm worried about him overrunning a play or – 
trying to do too much. He didn't do it yesterday, but uh, yeah, no, I, I don't have that same correlation. But I get where I you're did. coming from. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, yeah, so there you go, Quay Walker, football time in Houston. Every single time I heard that, I'm going to give my first game ball. Uh, <laughs> Uh, she put Kansas City football on the map. She put Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on the map. Uh, Taylor Swift gets my first game ball. Did you see her? Did you see what she, she was, was doing? She was jamming in the – She was the, swag yep, surfing yep. in the frigid Kansas City, Missouri, Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, I, I think the Kansas City Chiefs can go the whole way as long as uh, Taylor Swift <laughs> is swag surfing in the uh, in the suites there. That did you was see the awesome. jacket she was wearing? And, yeah. and, then, and then turns out Schefter did a story, I mean, mm-hmm. did a tweet as, on as, it. So, as she should. Yeah, who's, whose wife was the uh, wife? Oh, Juzik. You check. Juzik. Oh, uh, yeah, you're, you're check. Yeah. yeah from we the all just said it so differently. Yeah. I think it's Juzik. Uh, no, it's not. It's absolutely not. I, I, have no, I have no idea what it is. It's either use check or your check. Use check. It's not your check. There's not an R in the name. Doesn't matter, Jeremy. It's, I've looked it up before. It's not. It's there's no R. I think it's use check. Use it's use check. There you go. Use check, not juice check, but use check. There's okay. no R though. It's use check. There's plenty. Yeah. Okay. What's that? There's plenty of depending on pronunciation. There's plenty of names. Sure, that don't have him. consonants that are supposed to be in there to have it sound the way it does. Sure, but not him. Okay. It's Kyle use check, not yours check. Um, yeah, but Taylor Swift gets a game ball. She was fantastic in this game. She led Kansas City to victory. Maybe the Texans will have the opportunity to be put on the map by Taylor Swift if they go to Arrowhead Stadium on Saturday. Uh, but she was fantastic, as was Rasheed Rice. Yep. Rasheed Rice, man, like he has stepped up to be the guy for Pat Mahomes. Mahomes didn't have a great game statistically. Rasheed Rice went eight for 130, one touchdown, and – I think that this conversation of the Kansas City Chiefs having lousy receivers, I think Rasheed Rice is putting that notion to bed. I'll tell you what, Mahomes would have had a better day if uh, your your girl's boy toy would have had a, a couple of catches that he should have had. Yeah, he should, he should have wore sleeves. He was trying to be tough and macho in front of his girlfriend, didn't wear the sleeves. I think it cooled him down, and it, and it made his hands stiff. Well, he dropped two or three What that would have been good chunk plays for the Chiefs that, and kept drives alive. There's no doubt about that. George Karlaftis deserves an honorable mention to Taylor Swift and Rasheed Rice. Uh, a sack and a half. What do you think Kansas City's defense is rated in the NFL? Early on, it was very, very, very high. I would say 12. Kansas City's defense in both yards per game and points allowed per game are second in the NFL. Wow. Second. It blew my mind. I was looking at it the other day. Kansas City's defense is second in the NFL in yards given up per game and points given up per game. They've kind of changed who they are. Like they've went from this, you know, Tyreek Hill, forty million a year, uh, greatest show in, in the in the in the snow, to now where they've really built around defense. Their defense is better than their offense, yet they still have Pat Mahomes. Yeah, I was blown away whenever I saw that. Remember earlier in the year when Mahomes was on national TV and he was giving them all the love, saying this might be the best defense that he's ever played with and and maybe one of the best defenses ever? And everybody's like, well, wait a minute, come on. And at that time, they, I think they were top three in the league overall. But then I thought that they had some stinkers. I thought that they had fallen off a little bit. But, yeah, that, those stats surprised me as well. Yeah, it's uh, their they're, they're defense much better than people think. One seven one five. They recorded her, they recorded her walking into the stadium like she was going to play in they the did, game. Yeah. Well, that's what kind of that's what kind of aura she has is that she uplifts not only the Kansas City Chiefs, not only Arrowhead Stadium, not only the city of Kansas City, but the entire state of Missouri. Joe, you handing out a game ball? Yeah, I got one to give. That's a special one. I don't really care about being right often. I did this weekend. Uh, to the texters, to the twitchers, to the haters, 
In the words of uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, I would just like to say, suck it. So my game ball goes to Dak Prescott for proving me very correct. Yeah, he had a atrocious. He was awful. And, you know, watching every minute of that game, there was obviously a disconnect with C.D. Lamb, and that's a problem when he's your best receiver. But the fact that Dak came out and owned it was one thing, but he wasn't wrong when he said, I sucked. Yeah, you sucked, and you continue to suck every time there's a playoff game. It's very unfortunate. The Packers now have more wins in their stadium in the last, I think, 30 years than they do. For the, in the play in the playoffs in the playoffs that's so since, sad since the birth of the Texans the Texans have more playoff wins than the Cowboys Packers have a playoff win there against the Cowboys they have a Super Bowl win against the Steelers and I think I don't know that Dak and the Cowboys have two wins at home during that same time no I think they have one yeah I think it's one brutal yep. Detroit fans get a game ball that was uh, that was great. cool to see Brendan Riley was in attendance oh really he was in attendance he was there watching his Lions I think he might probably have. yeah I bet you he he was an emotional he was an emotional young man I Jared Goff you, played I bet great you gave him a tear. he played really well yeah I, I thought he was really good I don't give game balls to losers because I'm Stafford not a loser was really good Matthew Stafford's a tough son of a gun man getting hit he, on the back of the hand and bleeding and swelling and everything and still just well, his eyes rolled back into the back of his yeah, brain that, he died. Wasn't yeah, that was amazing that second. they were? What was it? They were looking. Maybe he did that purposely to say it's his ribs so that they wouldn't look at the well, fact I think that they both hurt. But maybe. Oh boy, because you could see his facial expressions. I think someone even one of the ex players tweeted, "Going, he's out." He looked like the Undertaker rolling his eyes in the back of his head. They were. They were. He was toast. He was yeah. asleep. He yeah. was asleep in Detroit for a split second. Uh, but golf was great. You're right. Super accurate. Uh, he's. I think that he's their future. Like he's their future quarterback. Everybody said, "Well, Hendon Hooker. He's the f-. no, no. Jared Goff's the future there." Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, two sacks. Now, one of them was when Matthew Stafford took a dive on that right. one play. Uh, but he's a really good edge rusher too for the uh, for the Detroit Lions. Uh, you have another one, Blankers? Or do we wrap it up there? I think we. I, I think we pretty much wrap it up there because yeah, I, mean, I did every game. I mean, we. I, I roped in all the Packers offense on that one. But you know what? Okay, uh, the other one to me is the fact that. I think Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator of the Packers, should have been fired. He's been gashed. Baker Mayfield had a perfect quarterback rating with four touchdowns against him this year. Everybody seems to get the best of the Green Bay defense. How they were able to do whatever they were doing, I guess Dak helped out a lot. But I'll give the Packers defense a little credit. Okay, there you go. Give a little credit to the Packers defense for their performance as they advance. I'll take on San Francisco next week. We'll see how good <laughs> that defense crushed. is there. 713-780-ESPN. 14-0 Buffalo. Two and a half to go in the first. Bill's looking at a third and long, uh, but up two possessions against the Steelers. If this score holds, and the Texans are going to Arrowhead. and Actually, I'm going to Baltimore, rather. They're going to Baltimore to take on Lamar Jackson. Got to give praise to D'Amico Ryans for a few things. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, we had a bunch of great games. We've got another one coming up tonight. We've got all kinds of playoff football still on the horizon leading up to the big game. All kinds of sporting events that you know you're going to want us to have some people over to the house so you can have some viewing parties and watch together. I'm telling you, the biggest tip I can give you is go to your local grocery store right now and check out the Daisy brands of Daisy Dips. Daisy Dips, the French onion, the ranch. It's going to save you time. You're going to be a hero. Everything that you use the dips on is going to taste better. From the pizza and the wings to the chips and the vegetable dips, it makes everything taste better. And you don't have to sit there like my mom did when we were kids. We loved the French onion dip. We loved the ranch. But the fact is my mom had to sit there and try and get the perfect balance between the sour cream and the salad dressing and the spice mix. You don't have to do any of that. All you got to do is go to the grocery store and go to the dips aisle and get into that cooler and get yourself a couple of daisy dips. 
People are going to love everything you serve with it, and you are going to be a hero because of it, no matter how good or bad the games are. Check them out today. Go to your grocery store and grab you a couple Daisy Dips. You're back where you belong, in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the killer bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. He's blank. I'm Branham. Uh, the Bills lead the Steelers 14 to nothing. Steelers, the ball got called out of bounds. Uh, it looks like it might be a fumble. Bills are challenging, so we await there. But uh, Bills cruising in Buffalo in that frozen weather. We'll get into the flowers for D'Amico in a moment. 713-780-ESPN if you have some. But first, let's go out to the HRMP listener line for Jerome. Jerome, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up? Hey, good afternoon, fellas. Hey, I just want to speak on uh, Joel's blank lack of love for Jordan. I hear you every week get on this radio and talk negative about this kid. And what I saw yesterday was nothing of what you spoke of. And I'm trying to figure out what's up with that, man. And then when you had a chance to talk about it, you gave the praise to Matt LaFleur instead. I didn't see him out there with a Dallas defense. Come on, man. What's up? Jerome, thanks for the call. Always appreciate you listening. I'll I'll reference the one pass that there were three of them in the Minnesota game as well, where he threw a ball to a receiver that's so wide open, like a center fielder, the receiver actually planted on his back foot, stopped, came back in, caught the ball, stopped, turned around, ran the other way, and, and kept running because no one was around him. The system works very well for him. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying, but I have not believed in him because the first half of the season was really, really bad, and now that he's starting to get comfortable with the system, it's similar to, and that's why I started with Lafleur. It's it's similar to Brock Purdy in the fact that Shanahan's systems are meant for the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands quickly, get it into his skill position player's hands, let them do the dirty work. Now that he's doing that, and don't get me wrong, he's making a lot of good throws. But I've talked to Lance about this. I've talked to other people. I said, look, tell me if I'm wrong, but I watch a lot of his plays. And Lance agreed with me. You got to see more because early in the year, his bailout was to throw into double coverage. He got a lot of balls picked off. He, He had a lot of drive stop because of it. There's still a lot more for him to do and get better at, but he's running the system really well right now. They're peaking at the right time, and I give him his flowers. He had a great day yesterday. But if he's running the system really well, that's what you want from a quarterback. Like, don't you make sure you keep that quarterback there forever? Like, San well, Francisco would love to keep Brock Purdy for as long as possible. I'm sure they give him an extension soon. Uh, love will be playing on that final year of a very cheap deal next year. If you have your quarterback where your offense is playing really well, yeah, like, yeah, the, the Shanahan tree is really good at it. But you also have to have a specific quarterback that's really good at that, too. Like, Trey Lance was an amazing failure in San Francisco. Inaccurate quarterbacks are amazing failures uh, in this type of system. You got to be precise. You got to be decisive. You have to be accuracy. Love has those things. So if love is good in that type of scheme, why wouldn't you lock that up? Because I think that the the thing is, is how much do you want? And you know what? It's unfair. The expectations that a lot of people have too, because they're expecting the next Favre, the next Rogers. And you look at it and say, look, he could be the best of what Dak Prescott could be because he's not going to sit there and single-handedly win you games like the two guys that the fans have seen for the last 30-plus years. But he's a guy, if he runs the system correctly, yeah, he can do a lot of things really well. But that just means that you have to make sure that he still has weapons like they have in San Francisco, like you have in Green Bay right now. You're hoping to develop and continue to develop. So, yeah, you you could consider doing that, but at what price? Because if you're going to wrap him up for $60 million a year, then a lot of people are expecting for that amount of money that you're going to have to get a guy that's capable of winning games by himself, putting the team on his shoulders, 
doing the things that they've seen the last two quarterbacks do. I think that when you look at what he's doing right now, if it is systematic, yes, but at what price? Because I think that if you're locking him up, like I said, for long term at that big of a dollar figure, that could backfire a little bit too if you don't surround him with the right people. Yeah, I think they're, they're going to give him an extension. I think they're going to lock him up this year because I think LaFleur has him playing at a really high level and doesn't want the you know uncertainty at the quarterback position. I think he's playing at a well, top 10-ish level right now. I mean, right. It's, it's, and people in Green Bay think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Somewhere in the middle there, the biggest thing is I think he's got to get extended because he's only on the books for $6 million in a contract next year. But you and I talked about this. I don't think they're going to go long-term, big, big, big dollars. I think they may go two or three years. If they, I'll, I'll bet you a lunch on that. That's fine. That when he gets extended, it'll be greater than three years. Okay, that's fine. I you think, want to do that? But I, I'm saying, handshake? Handshake? I, I'm saying, my big thing is they're going to try their hardest to keep it at a very short term. They're not going to go, you know, set five, seven, nine years, try to lock him up, Mahomes numbers or big well, yeah, quarterback I mean, money numbers. Not, not many people. I mean, how many players have? But over but, but a lot of them deals. are. When you look at the contract that a lot of these guys have signed, Herbert signed a big deal. Burrow signed a big deal. Those are the kind of franchise quarterback numbers. When you are truly capable of carrying the I mean, whole Herbert's thing, Herbert's was a five-year deal. What was uh, Joe Joe Burrow? What was his length of his deal? Did he get like, seven? I'm uh, I'm looking it up right now. Um, Herbert was five. Okay. The Mahomes one I remember only being the crazy one. No, Burrow was five too. Okay. What did Lamar Jackson get? Like it, Mahomes is the exception to this rule. Lamar Jackson got a five-year deal. What was Deshaun Watson's? He was a five-year deal, too. Like, it seems like the five years are the one, like, that's the window of time for a franchise. Yeah, Watson was five years. Mahomes was the, the anomaly. And I think, I think Mahomes cost himself tons of money uh, doing that, too. Yeah, he, he actually could have made more. You're right. I, I just think that they're going to try their hardest to try and minimize and stay away from five years on the books for him. And we all know that, you know, look, when you get into that big money contract for a quarterback, everything changes. They got an unbelievable, they got the youngest team in the league right now, mm-hmm. and everybody's on very, very hyper manageable contracts. It's going to change if he starts signing, if he signs for that long for that amount of money. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. So D'Amico Ryan's I thought was was really good. He's been listening to me a lot too, by the way. I don't think this is a coincidence of him being really good in that game, uh, taking the safety. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. That was a brand of idea. Uh, how about taking his starters out with nine minutes left to play against Cleveland? That was a Branham idea. How about using Derek Stingley to shadow Amari Cooper? That was a Branham idea. D'Amico Ryans has turned into a genius because he's a listener to the Killer Bees, Blankers. Okay. As long as he's a, he's a listener to the Killer Bees, then, you know, I'm, I'm all about all the love in the world for him. He's doing everything right. He, he's Look, he's been phenomenal. He's gotten better. We understood, you know, even calling timeouts in the first half early in the game. A lot of times you cringe. You're like, yeah, I didn't that- like his one in the first. I thought that was the one thing where they did they got wrong from yeah. a game management point of view. I yeah. didn't like that timeout at all. But I'm saying, as opposed to the first game of the year, the second game of the year, when he was using multiple timeouts early in the games, and you're like, yeah, they're they're not all on the same page right now. It seems like everything's clicking. Um, I love the fact that uh, he's really you know, he's got the defense playing at a very high level. He's got he's on the same page with all of his players, um, and, and they've all bought in obviously. And when you, you get the kind of love you get when you come to the sidelines with the emotion that he shows, how can you not want to play for that dude and run through a wall? So he's been everything and more than you ever could have asked for in in uh, his first year in the league. And the big thing is, is yeah, he made mistakes early on. He's not making those mistakes now. He, he's his feet are not only wet; he's firmly planted himself in control of everything, and it shows. 
Alex says that I'm an influencer, and I would have to completely agree. I've influenced the decisions of, of D'Amico Ryans. In all seriousness, no, the, the two things that I thought he was really good at in this past game were, one, his decision to go with Derek Stingley shadowing Amari Cooper. Uh, three weeks ago, he said that's not who we are. We're, we're not a team that shadows our top corner against the other team's top receiver. That was not the case on Saturday. They did that, and they shut down Amari mm-hmm. Cooper because of Derek Stingley. Secondly, they were getting gashed. They were getting gashed defensively in the second quarter. Uh, Joe Flacco was picking them apart in that second quarter. Uh, in Like late first quarter, Njoku, early second yeah. quarter. Uh, and Joku, absolutely. He was burning Steven Nelson. Like he was running go patterns past Steven Nelson, a corner, which is a testament to how good David Njoku was. I wish we could have him in Houston. That would be unbelievable. I know that's not attainable because he's under contract. Uh, but it would be really cool because I like his uh, game a lot. But his adjustments in the second half, like he went not only from like the Derek Stingley decision. I thought that was wise. We were begging him to do that. He did. Thank goodness. Which shows that he's not stubborn, by the way, which I like a lot. I, I like a head coach that isn't so stubborn and say, well, this is what we do. We're going to pound our head on the desk and we're just going to stay this way and we're going to get beat by 30. No, he made adjustments to things that go against his principles, his philosophies. I think that's a really good sign of a coach. Uh, I think shadowing Stingley because of that was a really good sign. But then what he did in the second half, too, like clearly. Cleveland was having no trouble moving the ball. They were having no trouble moving the ball after their first couple of series. And then in the second half, they didn't score. A couple of pick sixes, a sack that led to a turnover on downs, and then the game was out of out of hand. The game was over. And then on top of that, they they stopped the Cleveland rushing game. Like, you could say, well, they spent all this attention trying to stop Amari Cooper. They really didn't. They made one decision. Stingley, you guard him. And then they slowed down the Browns' running attack to 56 yards on 20 carries. You talk about the culture of this team. Like, look at them flying around. Look at them getting ahead of the of the returner on an interception to go block. Yeah, go great. block. Like, so they're bought in. They're playing hard. They're swarming. D'Amico's making some good calculated decisions. Uh, United football. This is the D'Amico effect. Uh, I, I was really blown away with uh, everything that we saw from D'Amico on Saturday. He almost outran one of the touchdowns, yeah, I too. I mean, that, how can you not love that when your head coach is that dialed into everything and that emotional uh and just loves you know to to reward his players for good play i mean you're gonna see more someone said to me today and and it's something that you and i've talked about already but i think it's really really gonna show to be more uh prevalent than maybe first thought and that is a lot of guys are gonna want to come here and play when you're watching this team when you see how they're coached when you see the energy that both sides of the ball have and how everybody seems to be having fun this is going to be a very attractive destination. Now, you're right. Money matters, and everybody's still going to want their bag. But this is going to be a very, very attractive situation for players and free agency that want to play football and have fun. I think it's going to be a really attractive place for veterans that are in the twilight of their career. Like, if you're first to free agency, like, that's the moment that you you cash in. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to. Like, you just really do. Uh, but you, you get your second-time free agents, the ones that are, like, 30 years old, like, the ones that are looking for a, a contender. I think that's where you start to see uh, a lot of those second-time free agents, those veterans that, that choose Houston. Uh, Pittsburgh was driving. Uh, they threw a pass into the end zone. And Buffalo picked them off. They picked off Mason Rudolph. So the Steelers were a pass into the end zone away from making it a one-possession game. Rudolph gets picked off. Buffalo Bills with the interception. It'll be their football. Let's see how much time is left in that game. Early second quarter. Yeah, 10.52 left to go in the second. So uh, not great for uh, Mason Rudolph and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Seven one three seven eight zero espn Our mailbag Monday. 
What are your questions for the Killer Bees? You can ask us whatever you want, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. You've got mail. It's Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees. Something's in the bag. What's in the bag? Oh, what's in the box? He's blank on Branham. It's time for our Mailbag Monday, 713-780-ESPN, 3338. You're delusional, Branham, and those were obvious things. Nothing you should try and take credit for. You sound like you're a lot of fun in parties, 3338, <laughs> and you sound like your read of sarcasm is pretty poor. All right, what are your questions for the Killer Bees? 713-780-3776. What do you think of Mike Evans in Houston? I think that he would he would probably fit very well, but I think most receivers would fit very well with a guy like C.J. Stroud. I think Mike Evans at this point in his career, I don't know how much of a big bag he's still going to want, but he's still going to want plenty. And you got a really good receiver room with the guys that you're going to bring back. So as much as, yeah, you can say you, need, you would love to have a guy like that come to your locker room, the fact is Nico Collins is looking more and more like a younger version of a Mike Evans-type receiver. I don't know that you need him. 713-780-3776. Questions on our Mailbag Monday. I actually put a little bit of thought into this uh, today because of the news on uh, Noah Brown. First first and foremost, I would love Mike Evans in Houston. Uh, he's a really good football player. He's still a really good football player, even though he's past the you know his age 30 threshold. He had over 1,200 yards this year and 13 touchdowns. He is a touchdown machine. He's been like that for his entire career. He's never had a year where he's went under 1,000 yards uh, receiving. So the idea of adding Mike Evans to the receiving room is pretty intriguing. I am intrigued by it. Now, I don't think that they're going to do it. My hunch with how the Texans handle the wide receiver room is they're not going to sign like a good free agent. I think that they're going to end up drafting one, like in the mid-rounds. And, and that's fine by me because Casario's hit on some third-round wide receivers. Nico Collins, you mentioned one of them. Tank, you mentioned the other. Also, look who's under contract. The, the Texans have had five or six receivers on the 53-man roster all year. Now, sometimes you've had guys on the IR, Noah Brown. Uh, you had Tank Dell on the IR, and it went down to five. So let's say that they keep six. Um, was Woods ever on the IR? I think so. Uh, he was hurt. Maybe he yeah, wasn't. I don't think he was yeah, on the maybe IR. Maybe he wasn't so on the IR. Let's, let's say they keep six receivers next year. You're going in. Noah Brown's a free agent. Woods still has one year on his deal, but you could save money if you cut him. Maybe you cut him. Maybe you don't. I think that they keep him if they go the draft route. So you're looking at Nico Tank, Robert Woods, if you bring him back, Mechie Hutchinson, and the guy that you draft. That's six receivers. Mm-hmm. Like They're not going to have more than six, and all those guys have to be on the 53 because they'd be picked up by somebody else. So I'm, I don't think – I think the Texans are going to bring in a receiver, but I think that they go with the draft route and not the free agent route. I could see that. And, and, and like you said, you, you could find someone that you can develop. Look, if we see John Mechie continue to, to kind of get back to his football form from the Alabama days and he's got a full off season and he knows exactly what his role is going to be and he can, you know, condition accordingly, there's no reason to think that he can't be a bigger, bigger factor in this offense, too. I think Hutchinson's only going to get better. And you start with, right at the top with two guys that he loves throwing to with Tank and with Nico. So it's a good. It's obviously a hell of a lot better room than we thought at the start of the year that's going to be better in, in a year's time. Yeah, I'm intrigued how they handle that. They have so many intriguing decisions to make, and we'll, we'll talk about that in great detail when the Texans are done. 713-780-3776. Josh Allen just busted through the Steelers' defense for a touchdown. So... Buffalo now leads by three possessions, seven minutes left to go in the first half. This looks like it's going to be a runaway, so it looks like the Texans will be heading to Baltimore on Saturday. 52-yard touchdown run for Ooh. Josh Allen. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Pena's got a question for the Killer Bees. What's up, Pena? 
Yeah, that that game's over with. Yeah. Um, so I have two questions. Um, which which defense had a better uh, performance, the Packers or the Texans? And um, with every with every other win that the Texans get, every other round we get to, do Slovic's chances get higher for getting hired as a head coach? Thank you. Have a great day. Um. Look, if he continues to have his offense play at a level, it's going to be a lot more difficult to, again, it's not getting any easier when you go from a Cleveland defense to a Baltimore defense. That's going to be where you really got to shine yet again, quarterback and OC. But I think he's done enough already that a lot of people in this league have taken notice and they know, yeah, the national media and everybody else are kind of catching up now. But I think that overall, you look at it and say there were a lot of people already that were in on this before a lot of the media bought into it or or saw him enough. So I think he's done enough regardless of what he does because he's got a tough matchup coming with Baltimore. In terms of the two defenses, I mean, yeah, each team had a pick six. I think, you know, it depends on what you were going up against, too, to say what you were going to do. I guess I would say Green Bay's defense because it came out of left field and because of the fact that Dallas at home hadn't lost a game in like two years and their offense was, what, number one in the league in terms of points scored and everything that goes with it. So I'd say Green Bay. Now, they did put up 510 yards and scored 32 points. Now, okay, most all, of that was of in is, garbage. Yeah, I know it was garbage yes. time, but still, like it's hard to say that they had this great defensive performance when they gave up 510 yards and 32 points. Um, but the Texans were playing Flacco. I think it's really close. I'm going to give the Texans the nod here. Since Packers went, or Blankers went with his team, I'll go with my team. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, 5798. In your opinions, is the Texans' win against the Browns the most satisfying victory in team history? Well, when you go back and look at it, and I think Joe and Michael Connor were, were kind of reflecting on the scores this weekend after the game, two of playoff wins, it was definitely the most dominant playoff win in Texans history. And the fact that you did it against uh, the best defense in the league, uh, I think that it's it's safe to say this one was the most satisfying of all the wins because you've done it with, with TJ Yates. You've done it because JJ had to be a big part of it with defense. Uh, I, I, to me, I think this was the most satisfying because of the fact the whole season has been so satisfying and it, it continues to get better. It seemed like it was letdowns and wins in some of those playoff wins. This one was definitely not a letdown. This was even more excitement. Now, I think it's the game that's kind of put the Texans back on the map more than anything else. This is the, I mean, the Houston Texans have one wild card round, but this is the fourth one in franchise history, the fifth one in franchise history. So they've never gone beyond the divisional round. So this this is at least tied right for like yep. the 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 most significant win right the the one that gets you the furthest now i think you still have to go back to the first one i, I still think you have to go back to 2011 i think you the first one matters the first time that you win a playoff game in franchise history i still would have to go back to that first one in 2011 season now you can make the case that it's kind of a reset on the organization, though. So this is like putting you back on the map. While it's not technically your first one, it's your first one back into NFL relevancy. Now, I do feel better about the 2023 Texans and the 2011 Texans in the sense that, like, I think that this core can get you to a Super Bowl. Where 2011, you know, we still kind of had doubts. I guess we love Shop and all that, but can he be that guy that puts you over the top? So I think you can make a case on that front, but I still have to go the 2011 first-ever wild-card round win as the most significant in franchise history. I see it, but I think that's kind of what I was alluding to in the fact that it was a letdown even when they won with Shaw and the teams that they had. 
had and they might have been favored. This one was basically a crapshoot pick em type game, and, and and you knew that you were going up against a really good defense. With a rookie quarterback, the fact that he got the win, the way they got it, the way that it was dominant was never really in question at when they got rolling. And you could just coast to it. Was the, And at home, where you could feel that energy back in the building, and you know that this team ain't going anywhere for quite a while now, I think that's what kind of pushed me over the top to go with the one yesterday, uh, Saturday. 1715, who loves Shop? Shop had a contingent of fans. I mean, he was putting up huge numbers, so you had your fans that defended their quarterback. Uh, 0635, it would have been even more satisfying if Deshaun Watson was under center. We were robbed of a great storyline. Like, it would have been more satisfying yeah. if Deshaun was under center. It was still really satisfying. Uh, but if you would have beaten Deshaun, like, that would have had a little extra wrinkle. And I think it would have been a sexier storyline in the buildup for the game, too. Uh, Ocho, who who, or how much more challenging would it be for Slowick to game plan for Chris Jones versus Miles Garrett? How I think much it'd be more challenging for Garrett than Jones? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that it gets more challenging than than Garrett, except for you, know, you think about whether it's Micah Parsons or or T.J. Watt. I mean, I would say those are the three most dominant pass rushers in the game, right? Yeah, I think it's harder to game plan for uh, for Garrett. Yeah, for sure. Now, I mean, again, that Chiefs defense is really good, but it doesn't look like you're going to play the Chiefs. Looks like you're going to play the you're, Ravens. Yeah, you're playing the, the Ravens defense is really good too, though. Yep. <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh. Trying to move the ball. They're third and eight at their own 28-yard line, facing a third and eight. They got to get something going. They got to get something going quick because they're getting beat up by the Bills. Steelers are terrible, though. I mean, you're starting a game with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. I mean, they they won the season because Tomlin somehow find a, found a way to have another winning season, make the playoffs, and, and their quarterbacks are just – I mean, no matter what you think – or don't think about their quarterback room. It's awful for the most part. Kenny Pickett, I don't know what he can ever be, but it's crazy that Tomlin has, testament to his coaching, continues to keep winning. But the Steelers, we we have, all three of us had, it rated, uh, had them rated as the worst team in the playoffs. And Oliver, I think, might have just killed Mason Rudolph, too. Go Kooks. All right, 713-780-ESPN. That does it for our Mailbag Monday. Ocho saying Chris Jones brings that pressure up the middle. Sometimes Miles Garrett will get lined up over the middle. Now, Drew Scruggs has been really good lately for the Texans. I think the interior of the offensive line is not bad, with the exception of Dieter. I don't necessarily trust Dieter. All right, Bobby Slowick. We, we talked a lot about him. There's a question just now. Now, he gets... We always hear that, well, you know, it's 99% C.J. Stroud. Well, it's time to be honest. Like, Bobby Slowick has made other guys, with the exception of C.J. Stroud, look good all year, too. That continued on Saturday. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. One other thing that always continues is HRP, Human Resources and Payroll. We need it here, certainly. It's how we get paid. Cougar owned by my colleague, Go Cougs, members of the Cougar 100 for the eighth year in a row. You've seen the HRP signage of U of H games or they're building off the beltway. And business owners, let HRP help you, whether it's HR compliance, benefits administration, payroll, onboarding. HRP can help in any or all of those areas. There's no boxes with HRP. Doesn't matter how small, how big. HRP completely customizes a plan for what you and your business need. You have a problem, you have an issue, you want to take a little off your plate, HRP will find a way to help. And they do it in a way that's unique. Technology meets service. They have the best tech, you'll love that, but you will love their service. Guaranteed fulfillment. You'll never talk to a stranger. You'll be talking to someone who knows you and they know your business needs. Give them a call right now, 281-880-6525, and let HRP customize a plan for you, 281-880-6525, or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. 
He's Blank on Branham, 713-780-ESPN. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. A Texans coaching staff probably already has gotten to work on uh, their potential opponents on Saturday. I'm probably spending a little bit more work on Baltimore. Just playing the odds because if Buffalo wins, Texans play at Baltimore. And Buffalo is winning 21 nothing. less than five minutes left to play uh, at home against a lousy Pittsburgh Steeler team. So here, here's why I think that Bobby Slowick deserves more praise than, than the just the – well, C.J. Stroud has made everybody look good, which I do believe. I do believe that C.J. Stroud makes everybody look uh, better around him. But here are examples throughout the year – of how Bobby Slowick has made other guys than just C.J. Stroud look good all year. How good did Tank Dell look mm-hmm. before he was asked to block in the box? But how how good did Tank Dell look as a third-round rookie wide receiver? That is a testament to Bobby Slowick and putting Tank Dell in a position to succeed and push, putting him in a position uh, to, to really highlight what he's good at other than blocking in the box. But he looked really good having a tremendous rookie year. Then what happens, Tank got hurt. And then they adjust, and then, like, yeah, you would love to have Tank, but they've played really well without Tank Dell because they've adjusted with what they have, and that's credit to the offensive coordinator. Uh, the running game we were talking about earlier. Like, this Texans running game was lousy at the start of the year. So much so, let's CJ throw it 50 times a game. You can't run the football. Uh, why? Because Damian Pierce stinks in this scheme. Well, what happened is since then? Well, Devin Singletary's been top three in rushing yards like since week whatever in the season. So that's like an adjusting to what you have. We know that Pierce can't do it, so let's put in another guy in Singletary, and it's taken off. Uh, Nico Collins. Nico Collins is having a better year this year than his previous years combined. Yeah, it's a huge part because you have a quarterback that can throw him the football, but it's also a big part of having an offensive play caller that puts him in position to have success. Uh, Brevin Jordan. When has Brevin Jordan done anything? anything prior to having his offensive coordinator being Bobby Slowick. Same thing with Dalton Schultz. He's putting up numbers that are up there uh, with some of his best in his career. So we can look across the entire offense, even if you want to throw the offensive line in there, like in the patchwork offensive line. Yep, that's where I was going. You you look at what Bobby Slowick has done across the board. And then, yeah, the C.J. Stroud thing. C.J. Stroud's great. Uh, but he also had a helping hand in that. He had a helping hand in grooming a rookie quarterback. So, And we can question some of the quirky things that Bobby Slowick does, the you know trying to throw the ball to Laramie Tunsil, the blo- using Tank Dell as a blocker in the box, a little shovel pass on first and goal. Like sometimes he gets too cute. Sometimes he tries to go outside the box and is a little too cute at times. But item after item item with Bobby Slowick. He's made guys all year, all year look good other than just his quarterback. I was going to start with the offensive line and C.J. Stroud, Jeremy, because of the fact that they've been so hyper-important to everything that they've been able to do. You you look what Frank Reich was not uh, supposed to be a genius offensive minor, a long-time, really ex- outstanding offensive mind in the NFL, and, and, and what he wasn't able to do with a rookie quarterback. And then you look at what Slowick in his first time in the position did with C.J. Stroud, and obviously you need a quarterback that has the grasp of the playbook and the X's and O's and, and has all the things C.J. has. But in unison, they were on the same page from day one, and, and they, they were able to have dialogue because C.J. talks about it a lot. And they found the best system for quarterback and offense. And then from the offensive line perspective, no matter what your general manager does to either add or not add depth to this offensive line, injuries are going to happen. And when they do, it's how you adjust. They led the league in sacks given up after two weeks at 11. And they found a way to run plays and run schematically, do things differently, as well as kind of finding guys to fit the right positions in the offensive line so that they were more effective. And overall, it was bend, not break. They had their rough spots, yes, but they actually came together with cohesiveness 
to where that they have been a better than average offensive line for the year. And that's hard to say with how many guys you've lost to injury and, and the things you've had to deal with. Yeah, I just don't know how you can you can look at Bobby Slowick first year and be like, yeah, eh, he's not all that good, man, man, whatever. When it comes to just to Bobby Slowick, uh, you can, I mean, just the fact that they went from being one of the worst offenses in the NFL to a top twelve offense in the NFL. And again, look, like it's it's tough to it's tough to have this conversation because you don't really know the true value. Uh, like, what's the ratio between Stroud and what's the ratio between Slowick? Like, of the offensive success, what percentage is because C.J. Stroud is going to make you look way better? And I would say that's a very, very high percentage, like extremely high. And what percentage are you willing to give Bobby Slowick credit for? Because that's the conversation when you talk about Bobby Slowick like, moving on for another job. Some people are like, I don't want to change it. Like, that's, that's me. I don't want to. Why would you want to change anything from what you have going on? Like, that's silly. But then you have other people that, who can cares if we we don't need Bobby Slowick you have CJ Stroud which I get you do have CJ Stroud I do think that there's a balance there I do think that you don't want to change it and I think it is difficult to evaluate exactly who Bobby Slowick is as an offensive mind because he does have a great player in CJ Stroud but I give him more credit than I think what like the average would yeah I do too And, and you know I've been on record the whole time saying Look, you've seen quarterbacks have regressions because of the fact that they have to constantly change head coaches, offensive coordinators, playbooks. Um, and, and a lot of guys, you know, struggle with the fact that you have to have everything from terminology to a complete new playbook, and it, it takes time. And, and a lot of times with that time, a lot of mistakes happen. So I don't want him going anywhere no matter what. And these are conversations that you and I had even back to when they were hiring their head coach about the only problem you're probably going to face is if you fi- you hire that defensive-minded head coach and offensively your offensive coordinator has a good year, he's probably not going to be around very long. So that's something that you're going to have to deal with. And then if he goes trying to get as close to the same system, the same philosophy, the same kind of guy to run the same kind of offense for CJ is going to be paramount. And the reason why Sloat gets a lot of credit, too, for me is, like, when you look at the start of the year, you and I were having conversations about the two worst receiver rooms in the league might be Carolina and Houston. You look at the fact that both were going to be probably challenged, more so the Texans with injuries later on, but you knew that Carolina's offensive line, they had some challenges as well. You had a rookie quarterback. And so you have both Reich and his offensive mind in Carolina versus Sloat and his offensive mind with the defensive-minded head coaches was all on Bobby. And the fact that Bobby was able to flourish no matter what challenges came his way, no matter where he might be limited position-wise in position groups, he was able to get this team to put points on the board, move the football, and get the best out of his quarterback. Carolina obviously did not. And I just think that Bobby Slowick, for a first-year guy that you were going to expect to make mistakes and kind of have to kind of get comfortable and settle in, settled in earlier and quicker than we thought and got the absolute most out of everybody on this offense. Like I'm not, I'm not sweating the Slowick decision. Like uh, if he leaves, like I'm still at fifty five forty five, because uh, I I think it's either Washington or Tennessee, and Washington very well could be the the landing spot for Ben Johnson, who who should get a job, uh, and I think will get a job if he wants one. I think Tennessee is is going to be in the mix Tennessee's there too. The leader, yeah. You think Tennessee's the leader? I do. do. Do you think Bobby Slowick's the leader in Tennessee? I think Bobby Slowick's the leader in Tennessee because, like we, we talked about, it's not only that they've got a young rookie quarterback this year that they want to develop, and they know that what we just talked about is a factor in, in what Sloak brings to the table. And they can probably, you know, if Derrick Henry walks and they can find some different ways to give him some resources to work with. But I think the other thing is that is Pepe Le Pew and Amy, the skunk is going to want to kind of not only add from the, from, from someone from like Houston, 
but kick Houston in the groin if she can in the process, or at least feel like she did, by taking away a guy that was a big part of the success of the offense of the Texans. And I think that double whammy is enough for her to be really excited about going after Bobby Slowick. Yeah, I, I totally believe that, too, because of her obsession with that. And I'm not sweating if he leaves. Like, if he leaves, do I want that to happen? No, I'd rather him stay than leave. But I, I do think that the Texans would be fine. This is more of a, a tip of the cap of, of an offensive yep. coordinator that I think has done a really good job all year across the board. He's done a really good job with his rookie quarterback. Yes, and He's plus, a, don't, sorry, don't sleep on the fact that Carthon, no matter how, if they were best buddies or not, working together in San Francisco, Carthon likes the idea as general manager of bringing in a guy. That we don't it, know that. I mean, we, we don't know that. I think he likes the uh, – what I was going to say is I think that he likes the idea of bringing in a guy he's familiar with. That he's, We don't he's, know that. I, he's been, they work together for a long period of time. He's familiar with what he can do. But maybe he thinks Sloak's an idiot. Like, we, we have no idea Carthon's, like, feelings towards Bobby Sloak. Okay. Maybe he doesn't believe in the Shanahan tree. That we, we, we don't believe that. We would think that that's silly. But I don't, like, I don't know why we jumped to the conclusion that Carthon would want Sloak, other than, like, the interview request. I think that Carthon knows him, and I think that Yeah, Carthon, he knows him. Okay, let me finish. I think that the biggest thing is, besides that, is, is that he knows that this is a guy, as opposed to bringing in some outside guy that might be a hot name that he might not have ever met before or know anything about and he can do some research but you know he's trying to find a guy that's a fit with him as well as a fit with the team and what he's trying to do and i think that's an advantage though like i don't i don't understand how you would like where you're getting carthon's football philosophies like what has he done where you know what carthon wants I'm saying he knows what he what Bobby Slowick he knows that Bobby Slowick was with him in the building and knows that and he it. knows Shanahan and he knows the and Shanahan offense and and we talked about how big that is and how popular it is in the league these days and how that's a selling point for anybody looking for a coach in this league and the fact that he brings that to the table and he he knows where that, that they've been in the same building he's been in the same rooms with Kyle he's been in the rooms with other guys that have had success in San Francisco that has to factor in at least as a positive for him I mean, I think it, I think it gets him a conversation. But what if Carthon didn't like his rea- his interactions with Slowick in San Francisco? Like, we jumped to the conclusions that because guys work together, they must really like want to like want to hire them. And I don't think that that's always true. Like, if you became the program director in some big market elsewhere, like you might not have liked your experiences with me, and you would never hire me. It just means you have more information on the guy. It doesn't mean that you like the guy. It doesn't mean that you want to work with the guy. It just means you have more information on the guy. Now, I think one thing that's pointing uh, your way when it comes to this is he did request an interview for him, so, like, he at least wants to talk to him. But a lot of that could be data dumping, too. Like, hey, come talk to us, tell us everything that you know, and then we use that to our advantage. So, like, you might be right, but it could be totally wrong. Like, we have no idea. No idea. It's possible, but, you know, I I just think that he knows enough to know that you're right. Maybe he just wants to talk to him. But I think that if he truly wants and knows the success that they had in San Francisco with that offensive style, he wants a guy that can actually coach up that offensive style. He's seen Bobby Sloak do a hell of a job coaching that offensive style this year. Yeah, we just don't know if he wants that offensive style. I don't know about the personal relationship, but I I would think— But it might even be more than personal. It it might be we want to be ground and pound, running the football a lot. Like, it might be we want to be completely different than the Shanahan tree. Like, we really have no clue. Okay, you're right that I don't have the exact answer on that, but I would think that coming from San Francisco, that that there's a there's a there's an inkling that they like to run the I mean to run that offense. San Francisco likes to run that offense. No, that he would like to run that kind of offense. They had a lot of success with it when they were there. Okay, we we don't know that Carthon wants that though. Okay, we might as, we, we can agree to disagree. 
I don't know how we're agreeing to disagreeing. I don't know how you know that. I don't say that I know that. I think that that's the reason why he's going to be a favorite for that job. Not only because of uh, of Amy the Skunk, but also because of the fact that I feel like if they've worked together and they've been in San Francisco together, and if he if he knows that system works, and you look at what Houston was was doing with that system this year, it makes perfect sense that in my mind that would be a good fit for them. Steelers scored a touchdown, so they're trying to get back into this game. 21-7, Buffalo in front, minute 39 to go, and the Bills about to get the football back but do not have any timeouts remaining. 713-780-3776. Are the 2023 Texans the 2021 Bengals? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.